Well, guys, we are on part seven of our series called Unveiling the Holy Spirit. And uh, this has been such an amazing journey. Who's been here for every single sermon? All seven. Come on. Come on. Amazing. Really encourage you guys, go listen back. Um, It's kind of like, you know when you watch a movie and like you just kind of like randomly show up in the living room or someone's watching a movie, show up in the living room and you get like the last 20 minutes and you're like, that's what that movie's about, right? And you're not really getting the full picture. That's, what, that's what's happening if we're not fully tracking. And so I really invite you guys to listen back uh, because we're journeying together as a church. And our, our desire for this series, you know, to, to simplify it is uh, I want to build a biblical church. I want us to be a church and a people who operate in the fullness of God's design for his people and for his kingdom. I love this definition, the best definition I've heard of what a Christian is. Ready for this? It's all of Jesus in all of me and all of the world. Not half of Jesus, not a quarter of Jesus, not just the pieces of Jesus that make me comfortable, not just the pieces of Jesus that doesn't confront my sin. All of Jesus in all of me, not only parts of my heart, not, not the parts that you know, I don't want to invite Jesus into because I'm ashamed. In all of me, in all the world. So can we say, I want all of Jesus, in all of me, in all the world. Amen. So let's jump into 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Uh, we are continuing, building off of last, last Sunday, we taught on the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, this is a topic that has... A lot of controversy. This is a topic that uh, there's not a lot of teaching on. There's just, this is a topic that uh, there's a lot of division. And I, I really believe that this is a topic that we really need to understand. And I'm actually going to build a case for that uh, today. But before I start, I want to share this testimony that, that is super powerful and super encouraging. Uh, someone on our worship team shared this. Uh, but her journey was she came from a uh, theological background or a church background where they believe that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased, the Holy Spirit doesn't operate uh, like he used to operate in the book of Acts. And then she came to breakthrough, got completely whacked in the best way possible. Uh, she's now seeing God move in her life. She's hearing God's voice, so much transformation. And she was sharing this story here. You know, her parents, they still go back to uh, the church she grew up with, which I believe is like an independent Baptist church. And uh, in, in their church, they, 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 they never talk about the Holy Spirit. She actually told me this. Her mom said she's never in her entire life heard a sermon only about the Holy Spirit. I believe she's in her, in her 40s. So for almost 40 plus years, never heard a sermon about the Holy Spirit. And she, she saw the life change in her daughter's life since she's been coming to Breakthrough. She's been hungry for it. She's been open to it. And she was sharing the story that their church, they were doing, a, a, they were doing Sunday school. Um, and they're, they're finally journeying through the book of Acts. So her mom was so excited. It's time for us to study this, like what my daughter's been telling me. Like, I, I want to learn about the Holy Spirit. And so they have their, their Sunday school. They're, they're going through the book of Acts. And they get to Acts chapter 2. If you know Acts chapter 2 is, that's Pentecost. And they skip a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so they get to Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and, and they skipped a bunch of the, the verses. They kind of moved past it because they didn't want to talk about it. And her mom was furious she was like, what the heck? I've been waiting to, to learn about this. Why are we just skipping this? Why are we just ignoring this? This is an important thing. And, and the, uh, the girl who's on our worship team, she was, she was like, hey, mom, you know, our church is 
doing a series on the Holy Spirit. So she's been sending her mom our podcast, and she's been listening to it. And, and her, you know, she said the first sermon she had like six pages of notes, and she's been like underground sneaking the the podcast to people in her Baptist church. <laughs> she said the worship leader is not listening to the podcast, and someone else, and uh, it's just really, really powerful. But I, I want to say that because we have to know who the Holy Spirit is, and. And I understand that there's been abuses, there's been misuses, there's been, you know, weird people representing the Holy Spirit. I think for a lot of people, when we get to this topic of the gifts, we get super uncomfortable about it because we kind of attribute it to like televangelists and like word of faith people and people blowing on people and people flying all over the room. And we, we kind of attribute to that. And, and, you know, some of that can be legit. A lot of it maybe isn't. But I, I want us just to see what Scripture says. Because what happens is when we dismiss this, we're actually doing the same thing that we're accusing people of doing, which is building a theology based on experience. And so I want what Scripture says. This is the goal of Breakthrough. I want to be as much of a biblical church as we can be. I want to practice what Jesus' design for his church is. Jesus' design for his church wasn't to slowly get weaker and weaker. Jesus' design for his church wasn't to slowly deteriorate. (laughs) He says that you will even do what? Greater things. Not lesser things. Okay, as the apostles die and, you know, the scriptures close, you're going to keep doing lesser things. That's not what he said. He said you're going to do greater things. And greater doesn't mean in in impact, but in reach. There's there's so much more. Peter said that if, if, if... if we were to contain all of the things, all the miracles that Jesus did on the earth, there would not be enough pages to contain what he did. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 to 11, let's, let's read this. I'm going to recap a little bit of last Sunday. This set the foundation of where we're going. For 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11, this is Paul teaching about the nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit He says this, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Right, so he's sending a letter to the church of Corinth, and he's giving them correction. Verse 3 says, therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the Lord, the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation, or the things the Spirit does, the original language, of the Spirit is given for the common good. What is the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit given for? For the common good. It's not given to have a show, it's not given to reach a certain level of Christianity, it's given for the common good. If Jesus is giving you through his spirit something that is for your good, wouldn't you want it? The answer is yes. If God wanted to give you something and he says this is for your good, would you want it? And I think we kind of because this isn't the only topic. There's other topics in Scripture that, you know, we kind of brush upon. And, and, and Jesus says, this is, this is for your good, right? He, he disciplines those who he loves. 
Some of us have extremes about God. God is super wrathful and angry, and then God is like a beanbag chair, right? But it says in Scripture that he disciplines the ones that he loves, that he refines, he, he purifies. He doesn't abuse. He doesn't harm. He disciplines those who he loves. And so when we reach these topics in Scripture, we kind of just skip over it because it's uncomfortable. We want to deal with it. And kind of the imagery I just got is kind of like when you're trying to give your sick child medicine. Has anyone done that before? Daniel, have you done that before? Right, you're like, here's this like really gooey cherry cough medicine. Doesn't look that good. My kid doesn't want it. But it's actually the very thing that's for their good. It's actually the very thing that's supposed to build them up, benefit them, heal them, restore them, strengthen them. What happens is we don't want what God wants to give because it makes us uncomfortable. Because it's hard to digest. And so if, if we say that a Christian is all of Jesus, that means all of Scripture. If we say we want to be a Christian who wants all of Jesus in all of us, that means all of Scripture. All right. Where did I end? Common good. Thank you. Verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by the same spirit, verse 9, to another faith, by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one in the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So six things I want to pull from this passage for us to understand. The first thing is that we are told in verse 1 to not be ignorant in our understanding of these gifts. He says, do not be informed. Do not be ignorant about this topic. Okay, the second thing we see is that what comes from the Spirit, this is in verse 3, what comes from the Spirit is always for the purpose of exalting Jesus, and that's including the gifts. What comes out of the Spirit, it says, uh, in the Gospels, that the Spirit's role is to glorify Jesus. It's to give him the attention. It's for him to be exalted. It's for him to be known. It's for him to be emphasized. So everything that comes from the Spirit, including the gifts, are for the purpose of exalting Jesus. The third point is, in verse 4 to 6, is that these gifts have different functions, have different purposes, the fourth point is when the gifts are operating, it is God at work through us, right? These aren't like superpowers, right? It's God operating through us, through his spirit. The fifth point is that the purpose of the gifts, just like we said, of the spirit are for the common good or, or to build up or edify the church and the world. The sixth is the spirit distributes these gifts as he chooses. Um, I want to quickly recap and break down what the nine gifts are. We went a little bit deeper on these this last Sunday. Uh, but it's easy to break up these nine gifts in three categories. Uh, a lot of uh, theologians have broken it down this way. Uh, but the first category is gifts of revelation. Right? These are the gifts that reveal something. Uh, so words of wisdom, 
which is a supernatural provision of divine wisdom or right application of wisdom. It's the ability to know what to do or say in a specific situation. The second is word of knowledge. Uh, it's a supernatural revelation of facts or information's past or presence, which you didn't know before. The third is the sermon of spirits. It's the ability or spiritual sense to know what is motivating a person or situation, knowing if its source is from the Holy Spirit or demonic spirits. The second category is gifts of power. These are gifts that do something. Uh, so the first is faith. So there's a difference of saving faith and a gift of faith. A gift of faith is a sudden surge of confidence or trust in help, to help in a crisis uh, to confidently believe regardless of the current situation. Uh, the third is gifts of healing. Uh, this, is the super, this is to supernaturally bring a cure to someone who is sick physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Uh, the third is gifts of miracles. I want that gift. Uh, it is a remarkable moment that defies the known laws of nature. And the third category is gifts of inspiration. Uh, these are gifts that say something. I want to say these are the most controversial gifts uh, out of the nine. These are the ones that uh, there's the most question about, most confusion. But crazy enough, these are the ones that Paul actually talks about the most. And that's interesting. They're, they're the ones that cause the most confusion in the church, but they're actually the ones that Paul says, one, do not forbid speaking tongues, which we'll get, get into that next week. He literally says, do not forbid speaking tongues. He says, earnestly desire the gifts, but I would rather you desire prophecy. So these are the gifts that he emphasizes and actually speaks about the most. Uh, and so next week, we're gonna dive specifically into these three gifts. Uh, but prophecy is directly proclaiming the will and heart of God for the immediate or the future. Tongues is to speak a word for the church a spiritual language also functions as personal prayer language that is not understandable. Write this down again next week. Uh, and last is interpretation, the interpretation of someone speaking in a tongue in a corporate setting to build up the church. All right, you guys are good? Just recaps in like 20 seconds. All right. Uh, so leading into today, so originally, if you are here last week, today I was actually going to teach on uh, tongues and uh, prophecy and really go deep into that because uh, I'm really passionate about it. And so as I was preparing the sermon that was going to be on tongues and prophecy, uh, you know, I was, I was preparing my intro. And as I was preparing my intro, I realized my intro was a whole sermon. And I was like, if I was to do my intro and teach on tongues and prophecy, this would literally be two hours. So I love you guys, and I not, was not going to make you guys go through that. So this is part two, Gifts of the Spirit. Next week, part three. Uh, but as I was preparing, what I was sensing is that before we can really understand the function of, this, of the, the gifts, we have to understand this question. Do they still operate today or not? Because if we don't actually believe and understand, Paul says, do not be uninformed, do not be ignorant. If we don't actually understand, I'm also speaking to the charismatics in the room, if we don't understand why they're still active today, then it doesn't matter how they function, if they, if, if they don't function. And so my heart today is I, I want to give us an understanding of why the gifts are still active. And I also want to com combat the belief that the gifts have ceased. So I want to say this before I go, go in because... Um, we got to cover some stuff. My heart, I want to hear this, is not to defend a theology. I want to defend a person. 
My goal is not just to give you scripture, give you, you know, my intellect, give you my study, give you my, my, that's gonna happen, but I want you to hear my motive. Because motives matter. We've all been on Facebook and we've seen theological debates. Motives aren't, aren't mattering. <laughs> I just want my point to come across. I encourage you guys, if you disagree with everything I say, take it to the Lord, you know, hopefully you'll change your heart. But I want you to hear me. I'm not here to defend a theology. I'm here to defend a person. So as we go in, there, there's two theological beliefs that we need to cover. You guys ready? Most of you guys have heard this. encourage you guys to take notes today. Uh, the first is the theological belief of continuationism. This is essentially what we believe. This is what charismatics believe. This is what most people who operate in the things of the spirit believe. Continuationism is the theological belief that the spiritual gifts remain active in the church today. Now, the countering belief to continuationism is cessationism. Who's heard cessationism before, right? Who used to be a cessationist? Come on. Welcome home. Just kidding. Um, cessationism is essentially the theological belief that the spiritual gifts ceased, right? Cessationism means to cease. Cease in the apostolic era, uh, which is essentially during the era of the last apostle, which was John. So let's go to Mark chapter 16, 17 to 18. And I want to combat the belief of cessationism. And I want to combat that for a reason. Is... I want us to be a people, especially if we're going to operate in the gifts, if we're going to see God move in power, we want to be a people in a community that understands what we're doing. And I think this is why we've seen charismatic movements go out of hand. Maybe we've seen it kind of get abused or we've seen it kind of get really messy. A lot of us maybe have been hurt by environments like that. And I think it really comes down to we need to understand why we believe what we believe. Praise God for experience. We need experience, but we also need understanding. All right. So Mark 16, 17 to 18. You guys excited for this? Okay. Mark 16, 17 to 18, Jesus says this, and these signs, right, the things that I am doing will accompany those who believe in my name. He doesn't say those who are apostles. He says those who believe in my name. Who here believes in his name? Okay. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Who is they? I said this last week. You. So what Jesus is essentially saying that the ministry that he is doing, the power to further the kingdom will continue with those, right, continuationism, will continue with those who believe in him. I made this case last week that if we don't believe that the fruit of the spirit have ceased, why would we believe that the gifts of the spirit have ceased? Oh, so the Holy Spirit just only half stopped working? How does that make sense? If the gifts 
or the fruit have, haven't ceased, then the gifts haven't ceased. That if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then so is the Father, and so is the Spirit. That the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells within you, continuing the ministry of Jesus started by giving us power. Uh, Acts 2, 16 to 20, this is uh, in Acts 2, Peter is quoting the prophet Joel. This is the moment of Pentecost. Peter is giving context for what is happening, okay? So the Spirit's poured out, people are, are speaking in tongues, people are hearing uh, uh, their own language. And Peter says this, because they're like, what's happening? Are they drunk, right? They don't know what's going on. And Peter says this, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So years and years and years in the Old Testament, the prophet Joel prophesied that this moment was going to happen. This is what Joel says. Peter's quoting him. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Say all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they, say they, will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will, turn, will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before, listen, the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Let me break this down. In Joel 2, the prophet Joel prophesied about the day when God's spirit would be poured out on all people. When the spirit is poured out, male, female, young, old, rich, poor, they will prophesy and experience signs and wonders. In Acts 2, Pentecost happens, and the spirit is poured out fulfilling the prophecy of Joel 2. And Peter is describing this is what is currently happening at Pentecost. And so what Joel says is that the spirit will be poured out in the last days. This is what Joel says. Joel says the spirit will be poured out in the last days. And Peter is saying the last days are happening now because the spirit is poured out. Tracking. Okay. So what is the last days? Verse 20 shows us, if you go to verse 20, the end. Last days is the time before the coming of the Lord, okay? Sam Storms, he says this, that New Testament scholars agree that the words last days or the last days is a reference to the entire present church age in which we live, the age spanning the gap between the first coming of Jesus right, as a baby, and a second coming at the end of history. So we are living in the last days that Joel 2 prophesied about, and that means that the gifts are still active today. If Jesus hasn't returned, then prophecy and signs and wonders and miracles have not ceased. And so this is the main verse used against the belief of continuation, of the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 10. I know this is a very heady sermon, and it's not as like, God's in the middle of the storm, right? It's, I know it's not one of those sermons, but I really want to equip us in this. But this is the, the main verse 
that is used to challenge the belief of continuation or challenge the belief that the gifts still continue today. So Paul says this in verse 8, 1 Corinthians 13, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, right, or words of knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Go to verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, say face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I have been fully known. So the cessationist belief system or view is that when the perfect comes, as Paul says, is is referring to scripture. So this is the, the main case that is thrown. It's cessationist view that when the perfect comes, as it says here, Paul is referring to scripture. Essentially, their belief is that once scripture is completed, right, which it is, through the last apostle, then prophecies, tongues, and the supernatural gifts will pass away. So This is that interpretation. However, the phrase, when the perfect comes, is not speaking of the completion of the New Testament scripture. There's not really a good case for that. This verse is actually a good case for continuationism. Let me show this to you. If you go to verse 12, it says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So verse 12 actually shows us that it's speaking, again, connected to Joel 2, it is speaking of when Jesus returns, making all things new and perfect. I want you to track. The verse 12 says, but then face to face, who are we seeing face to face? Jesus. When the perfect comes is a reference to the fulfillment of Christ's return. It's not talking about scripture being completed. This passage teaches that we will no longer need the gifts of the Spirit once Christ returns. Right? Because the argument is we have scripture so we don't need power. We have scripture so we don't need God's voice anymore. And and I want to state this. the, The gifts are submitted to scripture. They're not in competition. If someone gives you a prophetic word and it does not align with scripture or God's nature, don't receive it, right? This, we're not emphasizing, and people might have emphasized, and they were wrong, but we're not emphasizing that the gifts are equal to scripture. Scripture's closed. We can't add to that. Revelations do not add to this book. However, the case that they make isn't a strong argument because there's actually no good interpretation that the perfect is referring to scripture. It's very clear here in verse 12 that the perfect is referring to the fulfillment of Christ's returns. So this passage teaches that we will no longer need the gifts, when we emphasize this, we'll no longer need the gifts of the spirit once Christ returns because we won't need someone to prophesy to us because we'll be face-to-face. We we won't need to speak in tongues because we're face-to-face. We we won't need a word of knowledge because we're face-to-face. We won't need healing because we're face-to-face. So until he returns, which he is, we still have a lot 
left to accomplish. And all of God's manifestation gifts, healings, miracles, prophecies, tongue, etc., etc., are needed to advance God's kingdom. Scripture says that, that his kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of what? Power. That Jesus not only taught the kingdom, he demonstrated it. We need the proclamation of the word. We need good theology. We need to teach scripture. We need to disciple people into scripture. But Jesus' format for expanding his kingdom was teaching and demonstrating. Think about the fact that Jesus gave us the great commission. Go into all the earth, right? Proclaim the gospel. To do what Jesus has called us to do cannot only rely on our ability to speak. I promise you, you're not going to be able to go to a tribe in Africa in your own intellect and start a church. I guarantee you, you can't do that. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need him to reveal, to manifest, as Paul uses the language, to reveal and manifest himself. So, I want to not only theologically give evidence of the continuation of the gifts, but I actually want to give historical evidence as well. Can I do that? So I want to give you a timeline of church history. So, in 33 AD, Jesus ascended and Pentecost happened. If you don't understand how AD works, we technically live in 2023 AD. Okay? So in 33 AD, Jesus ascended... Pentecost happened, the outpouring of the Spirit, the church was born. And we see that the manifestation of the gifts was given to the church. Remember, one of the the main cases against the continuation of the gifts is that they cease with the apostles, right? They're the people that walked and saw Jesus. So in 64 AD, Peter and Paul were martyred, okay? Okay. So Peter and Paul, they're, they're still alive at 64 AD. This is, you know, 29 years later, they were killed, but the manifestations of the gifts were still continuing, excuse me, because they were not the last apostles. Okay, you tracking? Now, 98 AD, John, the revelator, right? John the beloved who writes Revelation, he is the last living apostle who walked with Jesus And he died in 98 AD. His story is actually really crazy. You know, pretty much all the disciples who walked with Jesus were martyred. John was the the oldest one that lived. And uh, historically, this is what's commonly uh, told about John, is that he was actually thrown uh, into a, a, a bat of oil to kill him. And he actually survived it. And then he eventually died years later on natural causes. He just grew old and died, which is really cool. Anyways, he died in 98 AD. So if the view of cessationism is true, then the gifts would have stopped with John in 98 AD. Tracking. Okay. Now I want to show you guys, after John, we actually have written records of the early church walking in the gifts of the Spirit. 
Can I show you that? All right. Let's go here to uh, some of the early church leaders. Right? These people are in Scripture, but we have written records of them. Arrhenius, in 130, he was born in 130 AD. He died in 200 AD. So this is not long after John died. To give you context, Arrhenius was discipled by a guy named Polycarp, which I'm pretty sure is a Pokemon. Um, but he was discipled by a guy named Polycarp, who was discipled by the Apostle John. Okay. You guys okay? So Arrhenius, his mentor was Polycarp, and Polycarp's mentor was John. All right. So his grand, his grand discipler was John. All right. So you, I want you to see how close in a relationship and how soon after the apostles died that this was still happening. This is a quote that he wrote in his uh, book called Against Heresies. There's a writing called Against Heresies. He says this. This is after the apostles. Others have foreknowledge, that's prophecy, of things to come. They see visions and utter prophetic expressions. Others heal the sick by laying their hands upon them, and they are made whole. Moreover, as I have said, the dead even have been raised up and remained among us for many years. What shall I more say? I think that's pretty cool. The next is uh, early church leader, early church father called Tertullian. Uh, Tertullian lived from 150 AD and died in 220 AD. So this is only a little bit over 100 years after the Apostle John lived. That's not that long. Tertullian, he was one, the, the one that helped the church articulate God's Trinitarian nature. He's the one that coined the term Trinity. This is a quote by him from one of his writings. He says, but from God who has promised indeed to pour out the grace of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh and has ordained that his servants and his handmaids should see visions as well as utter prophecies. So these are early church leaders. These are people that framed a lot of doctrine we believe today. None of, they weren't perfect. Their theologies weren't perfect. But they framed a lot of the beliefs that we carry today. All right, Augustine or Augustine. You guys know who that is? All right, we all have his, his quotes on our Instagram bios, right? So he lived a little bit later. He was born in 354 AD and died in 430 AD. So we see how much further away he is from John. And this is a quote I found in, in researching that Augustine or Augustine, he was actually one of the first to uh, theorize cessationism. If you read a lot of his early writings, he actually was more Calvinistic and, and, and more uh, in the cessationist uh, mindset and belief system. But later in his life, he actually changes his beliefs. That at at the end of, or later in his life, there was an outbreak of the miraculous in his church that led him to change his thinking. Uh, these miracles included healing of blindness, cancer, and raising of the dead. And uh, I found a writing of him that one of the things that happened was one of his close friends got healed supernaturally of cancer, and that's what caused him to change his belief system. Okay, so we see after the era of the apostles, Early church leaders who formed a lot of the beliefs and doctrines that we have now saw the gifts actively moving in the church. That early church history is in favor for the continuation of the gifts of 
the Spirit. The continuationist claim, or sorry, cessationists claim that the gifts ceased with the apostles, yet we historically have records of believers after the apostles who are reliable that walked in signs and wonders. So, I want to say this, that if we have believed that these manifestations aren't active today, then we've tragically neglected an enormous gift that the Holy Spirit longs for us to receive. Not only that, we've neglected his personhood and diminished his power and ability. I'm going to make this statement that I rather meet Jesus and be wrong for believing he is still moving in power than meet Jesus and realize I neglected aspects of who he is and diminish what he could have done in and through me. That I rather meet Jesus and be wrong for having too much faith (laughs) than be wrong for living in unbelief. And neglecting aspects. Because remember, Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit isn't a force that emanates from God. Holy Spirit is a person. Go back to sermon number one. Holy Spirit is a person. And when we neglect and, dis- and diminish and ignore and discourage, Paul says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. I don't know if you knew that. It's in 1 Corinthians. He says, do not forbid this. If we quench... Scripture says, don't quench the spirit. What is happening is we're not just quenching or diminishing a theology. <laughs> we're quenching and dismissing a person. Gave this example. It's like someone saying, yeah, I acknowledge, Andrew, your wife exists. I acknowledge she exists. But she can't do anything. Like, I acknowledge her existence, but... She can't talk. She's like, I'm literally right here. No, I acknowledge her existence, but I can't interact with her. She, she can't interact with me. This is what we've done. Okay, hopefully I've made a good argument. But in establishing that the gifts of the Spirit are still active today, then we need to desire them, seek them, and value how they function. So after hearing all this, and most of the room, you know, I, I, I would expect most of you already agreed with the side of continuationism. Sorry, con- t- continuationism. See, we don't even use that word, right? We just say we believe the Bible. Um, I, I had to throw that one out there. Okay. But if we believe, after everything that we've said, if we believe we've seen that, that the early church fathers, it's continued, there's records of that. If we believe the gifts have continued, the manifestation, the spirit, right? The things that the spirit wants to do in and through his church. If we come to the conclusion that that is true, guys, I want your minds to start opening up. Hearing all this, if we've come to the conclusion that these aren't just like made up things, these aren't just things that cease, these are things that are very, 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 very active today, 
then we need to seek them. We need to desire them. We need to pursue them. We need to learn how to use them. We need to learn how to function in them for the common good of my brothers and my sisters. I share this. If you're a parent, man, I'm so excited to raise my son seeing the gifts operate in our family. Like, I I want my son to to, to prophesy at a young age. (laughs) I want my son to, to get words of knowledge for people as they're in the store and sharing the gospel because they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? There's no junior Holy Spirit. And so I want you guys to see if this is true, which hopefully I'm in a very good case that it is, then this isn't something that we should shelf. This isn't something that will, I'll get to that later. This isn't something that, you know, it's just not, it's not my thing. Guys, it's in scripture. Doesn't matter if it's not your thing. Jesus, uh, Paul, Peter says, or Paul says, I, I, I want you to speak in tongues. I, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He brags about it. We have to understand how they function. And this is what I want to encourage us, because, yes, Paul, Paul writes his letter to the Corinthians, and he gives them order. He says, you've been doing this out of order, which they have, which we have seen today, right? We've seen this used out of order but misuse does not equal no use. And, and I want to give some caveats before I end. We, we don't like worship the gifts. It's, it's dumb. We, we don't like glorify them. We, they're just gifts. Like if I, Caleb, right? If I gave Caleb a car, would you like that? You would like that. Imagine if I gave him a car. What's like your dream car? brand new Silverado. Imagine if I gave him a brand new Silverado. You ready for this? And all he did with it is listen to the radio. That's all he did. I gave him this amazing gift, beautiful car, great rims, great gas mileage. Probably not. I don't think I have great gas. You know, great seats. You know, you can go, you can drive wherever you want in the U.S. Go to Mexico if you want. Go to Canada. You can you can drive with this thing. That's awesome. But imagine if all he was to do was sit in the car and listen to the radio because he didn't know how it functions. Oh, you guys didn't get that. That was so good. <laughs> imagine if you were given an incredible gift and just because you don't know how to drive, you dismiss wanting to learn how to drive. And so what you do is you settle for a car that doesn't move and all you do is use the accessories. Oh, man. Stir in the pot. First Corinthians 14, verse 1 says this. Follow the way of love and eagerly. Does it say passively? Someone talk to me. Does it say Passively. Does it say prefer? It says eagerly desire, not passively prefer. Eagerly eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And he says especially prophecy. Another one is 1 Corinthians 12, 31. It says this, now eagerly. Does it say if it's your preference? 
Does he say if it's comfortable for you? Does he say if it, if it doesn't push you out of your comfort zone? He says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way, which is love. John Wimber, I'm going to quote this again, said this last week, that the gifts of the Spirit are not trophies, talents, traits, or toys. The gifts of the Spirit are God's supernatural expressions of love, caring, kindness, healing, and concern bestowed on us and through us. Amen. So I'm going to pray, and this is what I want to leave you guys with. Next week, we're going to dive into tongues and prophecy. We don't have time to go through every single one, but I believe these are the two that Paul says needs to be emphasized the most. These are the ones that Paul teaches on the most, uh, and these are ones that I feel like are neglected the most. So we're going to dive into that next week. But this is what I want to encourage you guys to do. Study 1 Corinthians 12, 14 by yourself. Read it, meditate on it. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, give me, give me these gifts. Give me the gifts that you, that you want to bestow upon me to further your kingdom. These gifts are not for you to look like a super Christian. These gifts are not your superpower. These gifts are supposed to benefit the body and the lost. Who, needs, who wants to benefit the body and the lost? All right, you've been given an amazing gift. Stop neglecting it. All right, worship team, you can come up. You guys okay? All right, let's stand. Can we all just take a deep breath? This is what I want to do for the, the last 30 minutes. Is to eagerly desire, to earnestly desire all of Jesus in all of me and all the world. That's the motive. I don't want the gifts just to have the gifts because it's a cool accessory. No, I want all that Jesus has for me, for the world. Guys, there's people in your life that need to be healed. There's people in your life that needs a prophetic word. There's people in your homes, in your dorms that are doubting God's existence. And he wants to give you gifts to reveal that God is still pursuing and active. These are not accessories. These are for your good, the body's good, and the world's good. It's time to stop neglecting these gifts. So can we just lift our hands up? Let's get uncomfortable. Father, you say that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father lives, with whom there is no shadow or shifting. You're not going to give us a gift that's going to harm us only to benefit us. And so, Father, we can't receive a gift if we don't trust the giver. 
We won't receive a gift as good if we don't understand you as good. And so, Lord, we just ask, would you reveal the goodness of your nature? Would you reveal that these things aren't meant to confuse the things that we experience? Would we divorce our, our, our bad experience from the truth of what you want to reveal in this moment? Jesus, we need a fresh encounter. We need a fresh perspective. We need fresh understanding. We want all of you and all of us and all the world. Lord, we put our pride to the side. We put our intellect to the side. We put our comfort to the side. We put our preferences to the side. We want all of Jesus and all of us and all of the world. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you rend the heavens? Would you pour your spirit out on all flesh, on male and female, of young and old? Or would you stir a hunger to eagerly desire all that you have for us today? Let's press in. Thank you, Jesus.